Nick. Steve, you right? How you doing? I'm all right, mate. How you doing? Nice and early, isn't it? Yeah, crack of dawn. Beautiful sunrise. Milky. Milky skies. Milky orange yeah, sky. cloudy, doesn't it? Milky. It's what? That just means cloudy, doesn't it? Cloudy, yeah, yeah. Slightly cloudy and cold. About five degrees. The usuals. Dark winter. Dark winter. I was, it was, I was out on the on the on Finsbury Park the other day with a dog, and it was it was a war. It was like thirteen degrees in London the other day, and it, you, know, you get that kind of glimpse in the depths of winter that spring is coming. You know, and you you like you get that, just a tiny whiff of something in the air, and a you can remember what it, stirring in the loins. Exactly. A it's, it's like a movement. It's like remembering an old girlfriend or something, isn't it? It's just, <laughs> you, it's like you're, you're transported to to, to the, the summer times and sat on yeah. the, you know sat out on, on the grass. I know what you mean. Yeah, sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's getting yeah. lighter as well. That's the sort of thing that happens. I wonder whether there's any kind of like evolutionary thing going on. It's kind of it's kind yeah. of like breeding, isn't it? It's like, like breeding. Oh, the stirring of romantic feeling. <laughs> Your loins move. <laughs> Maybe it says more about us. That's what's going on with little... that's what's going on with the birds at the moment because they'll all be starting to mate, won't they, and starting to have eggs. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I'm. So... It all boils down to just chemical reactions, Steve. <laughs> that's true. Nick. Cold, I agree with that. hard nothingness of yeah. science. You don't really, you don't really love your wife. You just, you're just, <laughs> your, your your DNA is tricking you into it. Oh, and that cheerful thought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we've got a podcast this morning, so I think we've got a couple yeah. of things we're going to have a chit chat about. Yeah, we should be smash it through, do a bit of science, and then get on with our days. Great. Well, let's do it, Steve. Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Petri, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting. Oh, Steve, how you doing? You all right? I'm all right, mate. How you doing? I'm all right, but one of my friends is not all right. Oh, no. What's oh, wrong with I've got a friend who's working in Africa. Um, right. He's a teacher. Anyway, like, I, I got a message from him the other day. He's in hospital with typhoid. I mean, that sounds like one of those olden day diseases we don't have anymore, doesn't it? It's like what happens when, like, explorers go into the jungle and they get ill and, like, end up in a tent being cared for by some natives and then they die and get buried. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, they get die and buried. They write a memoir. <laughs> it's very treatable these yeah. days, you'll be glad to know. I don't, I don't know anything about typhoid, Nick. Is it, is, it, is it bacterial? Is it viral? I didn't know either. There's two. There's typhoid and there's typhus. And typhus, they're both okay. bacterial. Typhus is caused by a different bacterium than typhoid. And I think because they've got similar symptoms, when they discovered typhoid, they thought, oh, it's a bit like typhus. So we're going to call it typhoid. Oh, yeah. right, okay. Anyway. Um, so, so typhus came first, did it? Um, I, I believe so, yeah. It's caused by a different bacterium, rickettsia. And typhoid is caused by salmonella, our old egg friend. Oh. Edwina curry egg friend. Yeah, it's a different species than the um, the one that um, uh, the, that you normally get food poisoning from. Um, the, the name of which I can't remember. But it's got it's a it's a species called Enterica. It's Salmonella enterica, and then it's a serotype, Cerevar typhi. So it's like a special okay. type Does of it... Salmonella enterica. 
So does it like to live in kind of, I don't know, moist, humid, kind of like tropical climates? Is that why we always get it, all the explorers get it when they go off to, to explore the jungle? Yeah, it's, um, it, doesn't live, it doesn't live in animals. There's no known infection in animals. So it only infects humans and it passes from human to human really through like fluid. So you can get it, I think you can get it in, in milk. It can live in milk and things like that. So it's environmental, but it will, it will infect you, you and um, you know, eventually cause quite horrible illness. But yeah, he so he he was he was in hospital on an IV drip in in a in an African country. So he's he's not very well. So I don't know what happened, but um, <laughs> yeah. But he's got. So you just so you just heard he's ill, but you don't know if he's got any better. You don't know. I where spoke he to is. him. Yeah, and he's kind of like so right. you get really bad. All of the usual kind of stomach cramps. Where is he in the world? Malawi. Ah, okay. But you get you get all kinds of. Um, you know, vomiting, diarrhea. He had a period when he was delirious and like wandering around, jabbering, just jabbering to himself, being weird. Doesn't remember just any randomly of it. In Malawi, just, just randomly jabbering other people like, "What are you doing?" And he was like, just jabbering, delirious. Wow. Anyway, he's doing a bit better now. Um, but yeah, he's probably got it from like infected food or something like that and this brings me on to the next sort of thing that i wanted to talk about which which was some of these diseases they can kind of they can be asymptomatic we've all heard about asymptomatic carriers with covid haven't we like some people get it and they don't get ill but they pass it on the same thing happened i suppose we spoke about this before but like you know there are some i mean that's the ultimate goal of a virus right or or indeed any or or a bacteria is to be to have zero symptoms but to replicate in every cell in your body right that's what it wants i think so yeah i mean you think of the mitochondria in your cells they were originally bacteria wicked they've sort of snuck in yeah yeah they're everywhere snuck in yeah all now we need them all human cells descended from yeah. some bacterium that learned to live inside our cells to start with and that's kind of what happens a little bit with this salmonella in carriers so some people get it and they don't know they got it and they can have it for years and years and years and keep passing it on and this brings me to the case of typhoid mary have you heard of typhoid mary <laughs> i've heard the name but i know nothing about it but basically she was a cook in like the early 1900s in america she was actually born in ireland and she she was emigrated to the us but basically over a period of about eight years she infected more than i think 50 people some of whom died she was a cook Basically, she was cooking. So she was fa- making them di- making them dinner and then giving them ty- with a side of typhoid. Yeah, so with all these people were dying in New York of typhoid. No one really knew what was going on. And then some rich man, a chap called um, uh, Walter uh, Walter Bowen, who lived on Park Avenue, his daughter died. So he was like, "What's going on here?" And he hired a, a, a gumshoe, a private detective, to get mm. to the bottom of it. Called. Um, Gumshoe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've heard it all that for a while. Well, think of the time. It was about. It was a little bit before the kind of big sleep Raymond Chandler type era. Yeah. But it was a dark night. I was pursuing the woman across to New York. I stopped to the speakeasy for a cigarette and a whiskey. That sort of thing. Um, so he was doing that, and um, basically he worked out what had happened. He sort of went back to all of the families, and they all told them about this person who'd been a cook in the house, and that was the common factor. So from that, he tracked her down and like worked out what was going on through working with um, one of the local hospitals and um, tried to get... So a kind of original epidemiology, doing a bit of kind of undercover 
uh, epidemiology, clandestine epidemiology. Yeah, like ghetto in ghetto yeah. epidemiology. What would you call well, it? That's all gorilla, they really do, gorilla, right? not ghetto. You gorilla. got it. Gorilla yeah. Empty. yeah. Did you get it? Did you speak to John? Did you speak to John as well? Oh, it must be John. Yeah, well, they, they all they all talked about you know what she looked like as a short Irish chef. So eventually right. found her, and then because he'd been speaking to the medical authorities as well, he tried to get he tried to make her give her him a stool sample. Right? Oh, can you imagine? Can, can I have some of your poo? Some posh, some posh git comes down from from Park Avenue and wants, some he, of wants your, your crap. crap. Yeah, she refused him and threatened him <laughs> with a carving fork. Apparently, so he had to go. Nice. Anyway, he, I like that typhoid Mary. Anyway, the the res- she's anti-establishment. She didn't. She didn't oh, I'm not doing what you tell me to do. <laughs> anyway, they wrote up the findings in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which is a very well, you know, it's read by a lot of doctors. And eventually, she got arrested and put away. She's put in like a quarantine island, and then there's a long story. Well, uh, arrest, arrested under what? What c- crime? Public health. What's the... There were two like public health ordinances. So there were these two kind of rules. I can't. I haven't got them to hand. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But they had certain codes, and you could be sort of you know like with COVID these days. We all we all had like a, you know, we had to lock down, and it was a law. It was enshrined yeah. in law. There are similar public health ordinances. So if if there's an outbreak of a particular tropical disease in the uk you can be like um you know you, you can be forcibly quarantined you know obvious for obvious right. reasons because otherwise it's a d- yeah. disaster area to, right? to, to protect the public yeah yeah public protection and, and you have to I notify as well so if someone gets a particular disease that you have to notify it's a legal responsibility so rather than co uh, than typhoid mary do we have like a covid bob well maybe we about do. just <laughs> just just walking about licking everyone Anyway, there's probably loads of different examples of that. But eventually, she had a, it's a bit of a sad story at the end. You know, she was very refractory to any form of sort of intervention. She was quarantined multiple times, eventually died of a stroke. Um, many years later, after coming out and infecting more people again with a pseudonym, oh, because, different because, name. Because she couldn't... Uh, what I hadn't appreciated there is oh, she, she still had the disease. Yeah, it was, so she, so it's, not, it's not like she got better and then could go back into society. She had to be quarantined forever, basically. Yeah, cause and, she, and we don't really know why and uh, where it was we think people think it was in her gallbladder and basically these bacteria what they can do is they they live they they inhabit they're called enterobacteria they live they well they're not they, they're, they're intracellular bacteria and they live inside yeah. some of your immune cells and basically they they make your immune cells chill out so usually when an immune cell finds a bug it goes crazy and tries to kill it everything gets inflamed you get sepsis you die right that's what happens normally mm. But in these, in certain groups of people, they can sort of switch the macrophage off, this white type of white blood cell, and can sort of just hide there latently for many years. And that happens with a huge number of different types of um, uh, infections. So many different right. diseases have this sort of latent period. And I think one in, with typhoid, it's 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 it's, uh, it's estimated that between one and six percent of people are asymptomatic. So I'm a bit worried about when my mate comes so back. Lot, when my mate comes back from Malawi, <laughs> sorry. Well, there could be lots of typhoid Marys, then, if it's one and six between one and six percent. You'd know, wouldn't you, though? Because everyone would suddenly start getting ill. Uh, that is true. Yeah, yeah. If you've literally every, everyone you met, <laughs> you start correlating it yourself, <laughs> yeah. going, "What? Why are they? They're off sick again." Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's essentially no typhoid in in Western Europe, really. There's not very yeah. much. It's all a tr- it's a tropical disease from from these. Um, from countries such as the yeah, one that he's so, in. Anyway. So, so nowadays, 
Town for Toy for Mary would be treated, and then she'd be allowed, allowed to go back into society because she would. Yeah, you that, just that what would happen? If yeah. you've got typhoid now, you just give people antibiotics. Bob's your uncle. Job done. All job gone. Done. All gone. So yeah, we mm. you know in the 1940s we discovered antibiotics, and now yeah, it's not so much a problem anymore. So if you get it, you know, whereas in the past, I think about one in five people would just die naturally. Now, because we have antibiotics, no one dies really. Very f- well, people do die actually because they don't have access to it's antibiotics. Incredible, isn't but it? Very few people the, die. The ex, um, uh, the um, uh, ex uh, chief medical officer before Witty was um, uh, uh, Sally Davis. She famously she was she, um, she talked about the kind of antibiotic um, apocalypse she called it. But you know they worked it out. I remember seeing a talk from her and she was saying that antibiotics add twenty years to the human lifespan. Yeah, like, the average human lifespan—it's incredible, isn't it? The average life, yeah, isn't it? Just that single class of drugs can be so profound, and you know, isn't it, it, science and, amazing? And, and, Steve? and there's a and there's a ticking time bomb for when it's going to stop working. Oh, well, Steve, scary, we'll, isn't it? We'll be dead by then. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! <sighs> Steve, how are you? Well, you, you know, yeah, great, yeah, 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 great, honest, yeah, great. Having a few Wonderful. little, te- <laughs> great, great, having a few little technical issues um, this morning, so uh, that if, if Nick's a bit grumpier than usual, listeners, it's because I've been messing up with all the tech, techie stuff, trying to record us speaking. No, I just um, like, I like watching you squirm in stress. Yeah, it's just struggling. I hate, I hate when technology <laughs> fails me, because I'm normally very good with tech. Um, anyway, I got... Um, uh, what was I going to say? I was in uh, in the lab the other day, Nick. Yeah. Like, I actually got to go in the lab, do some experiments. That is your job, Nick. mate. That is your job. Not really, but I, I love being in the lab. Do you? I just, I just, it, br- it brings me a deep sense of satisfaction. Oh. Just like, you know, lining everything up, getting it all ready. Like, it's just so much more satisfying than being on constant Zoom calls <laughs> with people like you. <laughs> but um, anyway, I'll stop masking my contempt. Well, I wanted to talk to you about the other day. I was watching, I was watching the TV and one of my favourite movies came on the other day. I Aliens? Pulp Fiction. Oh, Pulp Fiction. No, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. There's a scene in Pulp Fiction. Do, do you like Pulp Fiction? I love it. I've seen it many, like many, a... many times. Okay, good. It's the type of thing that if people like it normally, you don't like that kind of thing. Oh, so get out of town. <laughs> I just, when I don't like anyway, something, I, I dislike it vehemently. I think that's the point. Right. It? Okay, fair enough. But there's a scene, if you remember, in, um, in Pulp Fiction where um, Mia Wallace and um, Vincent Vega, they pull up outside of Jack Rabbit Slim's, the restaurant where they go for, um, they go for dinner. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're both kind of high on drugs. And there's a bit in it where she said, he said, she, uh, Mia um, uh, says, "Don't be a square." But she, what she does is she mimes the outline of a square, and it right? appears on the and screen. It appears on the screen, and and I've always hated that bit because there's like a little dashed line, and so it just snaps me out of the movie, right? So so much so that it's like a bit of a trope for me now that when I see something that like 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 snaps me out of something I'm concentrating on, it reminds me of a Jack Rabbit Slim's moment, right? That's 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 how I think about it, you know. Um, because I was there, I'm in the Cadillac, I'm excited to go into Jack Rabbit Slims, they're talking, you know, there's a bit of a kind of unwritten sexual tension, and then suddenly I'm like, oh, I'm watching a movie, because of the little dashed line, because it's like, obviously that's not real. And also, what's even more annoying, it's not even square. She draws a rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> but hang on a minute, but hang on a minute. 
Isn't that yeah. the point, isn't it? Because they're like high on drugs that he's getting like trails and he's seeing these things. So it's kind of part of the that, experience of that, being that, that, that I think that's high. the argument. But for me personally, they don't refer to anything else ever again. And it just, it, it snaps me out of the moment, right? So it's something that kind of irks me and, and, and makes me realise I'm, I'm not kind of actually focused on something. I then realise I'm watching a movie, Interesting. right? So with that in mind, yes. I wanted to ask you a question, right? right? Are there similar things for you scientifically? There's a couple of phrases for me when people say them in a scientific context, I'm like, I, like, I, I, I stop, like, you know, I stop, um, I kind of reevaluate them as a speaker. If they drop in the scientific buzzwords, it can be or whatever. Have you got any? Um, not really. I mean, there's pet irritations of mine. Yeah. Like when people talk, do a scientific talk like they're a cast member of Friends or something. <laughs> and they go, and then what we did this. Mean? And then we did that. And then when we did this, this happened. That sort oh, yeah, of, that's yeah. Turns out that when you do that, yeah, no, exactly. No, that, but I, they're I just minor irritations. Like anyone would have an irritation about a usual thing that you have in your life. But yeah. I don't know. I Another don't quite know what how you... Americans are. Well, Americans are always really excited to be here, I find. If they ever, like, whatever it is, I'm really excited to use that technology. Oh, it's fantastic to be a part of the, this particular um, uh, group of people or whatever. Um, but the two things that, like, that, that jumped to, to my mind, one of them is, um, the, which has been kind of, which has grown up and kind of developed during COVID, is anyone that refers to the science is not a scientist, in my opinion. That's the a Jackrabbit Slim's moment to me. Yeah, well, the science says, like, do you know what scientists do? Never say that word. The science says. <laughs> we never frame, we'd never frame it that way, would you? You'd say, oh, there's a study done by Evans and Tao and they showed this. You wouldn't go, the science says. No, you wouldn't, would you? <laughs> like, yeah. Just, yeah. So for me, that kind of instantly, you know, delineates them as not being a scientist because they use a term which I think, you know, which I think which scientists don't use. Yeah, you might say um, the dogma says but that would be sort of pejorative exactly. wouldn't it it'd be like indeed yeah. indeed indeed but you would never use it as a way to like you know imagine that if, you, if someone asked you a question after a research seminar you would never turn around and go well the science is very clear on this fact what if someone said <laughs> much of the evidence suggests that is that okay that's fine but that's not, that that would be fine All right. but that's what i mean that that's not a jack rabbit slims moment okay. that's the type of it has an identified i can still believe they might be a kind of credible scientist yeah, yeah, yeah. if someone turns around and says the science okay like, yeah, yeah. yeah okay that's rabbit. that's one yeah, that's one. The other one, which is a real pet peeve of mine, right, is people, which actually is what I wanted to talk to you about today, is people's use of the term artificial intelligence, machine learning, and neural network interchangeably when they're different things. Oh, wow. Well, okay, right. right. It's, right. Just, it's, it's, a, it's a word that people drop in to make them sound smart. <laughs> and that's well, a Jackrabbit Slim's I, moment for me. I, I, I have an irritation anyway about <laughs> this sort of thing. Yeah, I just it irritates yeah. me because people. I think it's the roots the same thing. People use it and they don't really know what they're talking about. They don't. They're not. They're, it's just a general term for something which is computer wizardry, and they think they've got some pictures, and the pictures they can get some information from the pictures by plugging it in to artificial well, intelligence and, and it's almost like yeah that they don't need to understand what's going on because the ai is doing it for them or whatever right you know we've done deep learning on this and it's true and you're like that's that's not how truth works <laughs> like but anyway I, I was like 
I was kind of, so I've been kind of learning, like, so, so I, I kind of had this suspicion that, like, you know, the, obviously they were different, you know, and that, that you know, a, a colleague of mine famously also doesn't like this, and he says, um, he turns around and says, um, you know, machine learning is what we used to call software. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it's, there's no difference, yeah. you know. Um, but, like, it was interesting. Do you, like, do you know what, do, do you know the difference? Do you know, like, how, like, what the difference between, for instance, neural networks are and, you know, AI? Well, I, only at the level of a lay science person, I can give you some speculation as to what they, they mean. But yeah, go on, go on the, then. Which I, is the first yeah, one? I, I genuinely didn't know this, so What's I've the just first been one you mentioned? So, so, okay, so th there's a few of the ones that are important. So, so neural networks is an important one. I suppose uh, artificial in intelligence and machine learning, they're probably the three that are probably most, well, machine, most relevant. Well, machine learning is when you feed a bunch of data into a machine and you give it criteria which you kind of have as an outcome that you, you're, you're kind of giving it the right answer and it's trying by its own means to get to the right answer and it kind of iteratively goes through that process. You could say that about fitting a graph. Yeah, well, that's kind of thing. Machine. It is like, I mean, it's kind yeah. of like iterate. When you do an iteration, like if you've got a graph and it's it's iterative, you know, you go through multiple steps to try and fit a curve to a graph. Yeah. I would say that's so what that it is. So is machine learning? Yeah, I would say that is machine learning. Yeah. So, so, you're, 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 so, so I think you like find a local. And what happens is, if a, if, a, if an equation's got multiple solutions, you might find local minima. Do you know what I mean? So it can be flawed. Yeah. And I remember but, doing. But then, but then we've been doing machine learning for you know a hundred years. Yeah, I, I think we. About I that, think yeah. we have. Yeah. I think we have. I just think <laughs> the machines are a bit more complicated than they used to be, and maybe they use a different kind of. There's a different technology that's used to do it. It's it's something a little bit cleverer. That would be my interpretation. Yeah, I mean, that, that's partially true. I mean, the way to kind of think about really is that the kind of at the bottom rung of the think about those kind of babushka dolls, the Russian dolls, right? And the, the bottom end of that, the smallest doll, is basically what we're discussing: you know, linear regression, right? Which is such the simplest level of just say fitting a graph. Yeah. And then above that, there's this level of so-called neural networks, which is a bit more complicated, and uh, we can go into it a bit more. Above that would be machine learning, which is where so so neural networks are typically embedded within a machine learning system and then the highest level would be ai and the ai in the kind of is the kind of broadest term to use to classify machine mimicking human intelligence right so that's where we might talk about i don't know um uh, uh things like a tesla's automated um driving um was, uh, understanding human speech I mean, like thinking, siri and things like that i'm thinking about the way that chess programs have got better as well because that's the same thing if you think about chess it's like a logical game but it, it rapidly has many many different outcomes it's very difficult to find out which is most favorable because you fall into again you fall into like a local minimum and it's hard to do you know what i mean it's like yeah, you know, exactly. And actually, you're right, the kind of term AI, it, you know, evolves with time, as all, all terms do, but it's, but it's relatively rapid. So, you know, as, as machines coming, become increasingly capable, like tasks considered to require intelligence change and, and are often removed from the definition of AI, chess is a great example of that. You know, historically, people will have gone, oh, that, like, you know, that if, if, you can, if a computer can beat a human at chess, it's smart, right? right. You know, so that, that's an artificial intelligence. Whereas now, basically, there's no, there's no human on the planet that can even come close to beating um, your, your smartphone even, right? Um, but what I wanted to, to so, so let's go right back down the, the, the babushka doll out right, to the smallest Russian doll, um, which is this idea of neural networks, which is kind of the simplest form of that, right? And I've just been kind of learning a little bit about it. It's quite interesting. So kind of at the core of it, it's a kind of, it's trying to mimic the way that human, that, that biological neurons work. Can I just it, think about a neural, neural network, right? Yeah. Is that one of those things like when you drape a 
like a, a hair net with lots of little electronic things on your head. I thought that was a neural network. Is that not a neural network? No, you've got you've got a complicated neural network functioning in your skull as we speak. My brain, yeah. Well, I don't think it's yeah. that complicated, but I'm just thinking about the. Well, maybe not yours isn't. So a neural a neural network is not that little hat that someone wears with wires coming out of it that you see on sci-fi films. No, no, okay. it's not. No, like like Doctor L. L. Brown wears at the beginning of uh, Back to the Future. Is that what you're? Yeah, that sort of thing. That's more door. like a kind yeah. of a primitive version it's like a colander with a load of valves on it right yeah exactly <laughs> no 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 so so a kind of neural network is, is, a, is i suppose or an artificial neural network as it's officially called but people just always abbreviate it um are kind of computing systems inspired by biological neural networks right that constituate uh, the constituent that we're humans and, and you know all living things that have brains think right and the idea is very simple right and it's, it's quite interesting is that the you have a variety of the, the way so, so it's basically a way of coding that allows kind of multiple solutions to be explored simultaneously but rather than in your fitting example of like a point to a graph rather than doing that um, what it's doing is it's trying to fit multiple different types of graphs simultaneously and then and then the decisions about which graph to fit is is based upon some of the previous decision the, the deci what are called nodes um, of the neural network that occurred during the the, the, the computation. I think so what you mean, and what I'm think what I'm understanding from that is it, it kind of changes as it's working. So it's kind of like it doesn't. It's not the same all the way through. It kind of changes in time to make it easier for it to find an answer. Is that is that right? Because I didn't really kind understand what you said. Yeah. All right. Let me try again. I'll, I'll explain how it works. But but the main difference between a kind of regression and a neural network is the. It's, okay, so let, let's think about how it works to begin with. Right? So let's pick, let's pick a decision you've got to make in your day, Nick. Like, I don't know, what, like, uh, should, you, should you have something for lunch, right? So should you have, what, what's your favourite thing to have for lunch? Oh, it would be a, a Knickerbocker glory. <laughs> All right, brilliant. Great example, right? So, so there are four things one needs to build a node, which is the simplest point of a, of a, a decision point, uh, which would be the equivalent of a single neuron. Um, and it requires something. It requires four things: inputs, weights, bias, and threshold. Right. So the inputs are um, the, uh, the uh, whether you decide to have a block of glory. You go like, well, one, I'm gonna have to go out and get one. Uh, two, um, it's gonna be bad for me because it's uh, calorific. Um, and do I want to save money? They're my kind of inputs, as as they would be kind of classified, right? And then there are weightings associated with each one of those yeah. inputs. So, so some you of those gave, are more You just important. gave like three bad things, but there's probably good things as well. I really like it. Yeah. I really Taste like delicious. it. You yeah. know, wow. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to have a good time. And then you weight them and then one wins, right? <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. So, and then, and then you put a bias, you have to say a bias or a threshold. So, so what value, so let's say, so, so let's say what this call, just call them ones and zeros, right? So yes or no to like, you know, like, is it delicious? Yes. Do I, ha do I have to go out and get it? Yes, right? You know, um, uh, will, it, will it make me fat? Will it, will it make me thinner? No, right? So you've got those kind of ones and zeros that, that you parameterize the system. And then you say, if the number gets above a five or three or whatever it is, I'm going to go and have a nicker block of glory, right? And so that would be the threshold to yeah, decide whether yeah, that yeah. node is activated, right? So in your brain, this is the way your, your brain, so that's the decide of whether, that would be the, the biological equivalent would be a neuron firing. Right, if all of these, if 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 the if the if the weighting coefficient goes up, right, to the point at which you go, yeah, I do want to nick a block of glory, right. But there's a, there's lots of reasons why you choose to do that, right. So that's one node, right. 
And then the main difference between a neural network and just regression, like we were talking about, just just um, uh, just like fitting a graph, um, is the impact of the change of a single weight. So in regression, you can change the weight without affecting the inputs of the other function. So so I did so that decision about a Nikobokuri might affect the decision of whether you have um, I don't know dinner later today or some other some other something in the decision of whether oh I'm going out for dinner later, right? And, um, whereas um, in the case of neural networks, since the output of one layer is passed to the next layer of the network, the next node in the network, a single change can have a cascading effect on the other neurons in the network. So basically, they're all interdependent and they all talk to each other. The decisions affect each other, which, which isn't true in your fitting. So if you were to rerun your fitting algorithm a hundred times, it would converge on the same answer that's exactly the no, same not necessarily, way actually, with some iterative fittings because of the local minima. It's not always true, I don't think. If you start from the same function, if you start from the same initial initialization parameters and you apply the same regression, you'll get the same answer. Is that really like, not true? Yeah. It never happened though when I used to do, so I used to use a program to fit, yeah. sorry to go off track, but there was a program I used to use which was an iterative curve fitting thing and what, what it would do, it'd be like a, it'd like a log decay and you could describe yeah. how many terms were in it. So you could have one, two or three. If you put two or three, usually if you put one in, it would always find the same solution. Right, the same mm. same values to go in the equation and give you like a fit function, a chi-square function. Yeah. When you had three, it would often find different ones. So you'd you'd run it multiple times with exactly the same data and you get different answers. And that was a sign that it was kind of like there were many possible solutions that, to that. The problem equation. is you're not a I mean, I don't know the specific no, no. of the of the minimization algorithm you're using, but 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 um the the point here is I think that, it was that, like that time limited. I think it's the amount of time it spends doing it or something. But I don't know. But anyway, Anyway, I get it. So the neural network. If, if that process, if, yeah. you know, if your fit function depended on like the temperature outside, that would be a neural network because the temperature might vary the decision of how it fits it or time or whatever, right? You know, but but just by itself, which you know, I should find the same find the same solution each time. Yeah, I mean, I kind but, of, um, I kind of, I mean, I can understand the whole brain thing, right? You've got different yeah. places in your brain. And they're all talking to each other all the time. It's like a big chain reaction. Every, you know, through your day, just loads of chain reactions are going on. You see stuff yeah. that nudges it one way. So then neurons fire another. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, it, you know, you get hungry. Your tummy is telling your brain. That tells something else in your brain to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it makes exactly. you moody. Makes, so I can understand how your brain kind of works in that kind of constant activity and stuff. But like, I think the details of like curve fitting, I'm I'm not really hot on, so I, I find it difficult well, it to. Does, it doesn't have to be curve fitting; it could be anything. Yeah, like yeah. You could say, you know, the, the, the basically if the, you know, if you were to compute two plus two, right? Yeah, that would be, you know, th that's always going to be the same, yeah. right? You know, it's not, it's, you're never, it's never going to be different, right? Um, whereas here, what they're saying is the neural network can can actually, because they're all interdependent, and the output of one node can affect the other. Yeah. Right, so it's not just a case of two plus two, and then you do another. You got you do another, a calculation. It's that the two plus two, um, the the output of two plus two would affect the next stage of the calculation, which is a bit confusing when you think about two plus twos. But it makes much more sense in terms of decisions, yes, yeah, and those. Yeah. Okay, maybe you know you can imagine you know setting them like, up like that. But it's so that's the kind of the simple. I mean, even that's relatively complicated to understand. Too right. right. I mean, I don't, we just of, talked about it yeah. for twenty minutes, and I still don't understand what it what it really means. <laughs> well, exactly, and and that's the <laughs> simplest stage up from from you know from, of any kind of advanced computational algorithm. So when people just like dump in, oh yeah, we're just going to AI it. You know, we're going to do a you know deep learning, you know, like regression, you know, word salad <laughs> of science buzzwords, you know, f you know front end descriptive analytics, forecasting, containerization, something, and you just 
just feel like, but none of those things you've said, none of them mean anything. <laughs> yeah, I'd be tempted to say some computer guys do something to it, and they've told me that this works, so that's that's what. But at least they'd be honest there. <laughs> that would be very honest. But I mean, that would be fine. Like, and I think I think it's all right. Like, because I get a bit frustrated because. You know, you have the machine. I mean, I'm, I'm probably doing the thing that irritates you, the machine learning thing. <laughs> you know, let's say yeah. with face recognition and stuff like that, they give it a load of faces and, you know, it can eventually recognise a face from like a really blurry image or something. Yeah. And it always reminds me of that bit in Blade Runner when he's got that photograph that can go around the edges and things. And I think it's nonsense because what you've done is it works in the context of the, the stuff you've got. But if you try to apply it outside that area, it just doesn't work. And I think that's happened time and time again. And often you see papers published where people say, oh, it's it's 90% predictive. And it's bullshit. It's, it's predictive in the stuff that you've like given it to train on, but it's not like 90%, 90%. in the real world. Yeah. And I remember that happening as well with like, um, for a long time people were trying to use uh, near-infrared light to measure how much blood glucose you had like to find out what your blood sugar was for diabetes that's sticking a pin in you yeah and like they were using complicated like absorption spectra and stuff like that and yeah. all of these papers are like it's dead accurate but then it's not it's just totally dependent on the situation that you've got and it doesn't apply to anything else and i think there's a lot of that kind of crap going on to be honest there's a I, lot of i think you're right i mean but, but so, th so then you say, why why is it so popular, right? Why do people actually adopt this, right? You know, including these very large corporations that make a lot of money, right? So it must be the underlying thing that, that it works, yeah, right? Yeah. So in your example of like, you know, face recognition, what you could do is write an algorithm to say, right, I want you to measure where the middle of their eyes are, how di how far apart their eyes are. Then I want you to kind of like look at the size of their head and the distance between their ears and all these kind of things. And you could parameterize e each bit of the face and then ask that again for a face it hasn't seen, right? Now, you can do it like that and people do do it like that. But the thing is, it's, it's relatively computationally inefficient to do that because it's going to spend some time working out parameters that aren't actually that useful, yeah. right? And by the way, so, I so do, the, it definitely works because obviously my yeah. phone recognises my face and it doesn't recognise anyone else's face. So it obviously works. Yeah, it, exactly. But but the reason they've adopted it is actually for a, a computational efficiency, which is exactly the same reason your brain has adopted it, right? You know, because it costs energy to make neurons. So you want to have some computational process in your brain that's highly kind of calorifically efficient right your brain uses what i mean you'll probably know it's like some huge fraction of your total calorific content is just used to keep your brain going right so it costs a lot of energy to, to keep you to keep your brain wearing up and so you want it operating as efficiently as possible yeah and it's almost like and so it's almost like a kind of it's almost like kind of digitized intuition almost it's like it's like yes. it's like you're finding that's out that's a good way of putting it it's yeah. like you're kind of finding out what intuition is like because you don't really understand how people have intuition but probably something along those lines is going on it's like a really efficient way of like seeing certain signs that other people might not see and then being able to make a decision based on these things so but that, that, that's actually a really good argument because actually one of my frustrations with a lot of these things is that no one actually really knows what it's doing right there's basically input magic happens output right and like and like and and I think that's that you're kind of like some people have really good instincts, right, in the lab, or you know they have good instincts with like the person's sense of character or whatever. And you can't quite, and it annoys me that like how come he's so good at like that, well, right? I think a lot you know? of the time it probably they, is like it's like um, deep learning. I mean, it's probably lots of experience, you know, lots of experience has led to that process, you know, that someone is able to make those sorts of decisions quite quickly. And probably some people are more they haven't, you know, because of evolution. 
our brains have been wired in certain cases. So some people are better at it than other people just intrinsically. So there's probably like underlying structures and things going on in your head, which kind of will will help you with these sorts of intuitive but, things. But, 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 but don't you know, like, I, I just don't like it from a fundamental, like we, we do science by creating a hypothesis and testing the hypothesis, right? And this seems to be like a, a totally different way to approach logic, where basically you say, stuff happens, don't really mind what it is, but the answer's right. Right, and it, there's something in me that doesn't like that. So maybe that's the reason that AI particularly annoys me. Is that is that because I, I like to follow? Well, well, what is it about a person's face that's predict? That's the most predictive. Is it the you know the position of their eyes, the size of their eyes, the length of their nose? You know, and the, the answer is obviously it's a bit of everything, right? But there must be some things that are less important, right? And the the deep learning algorithms or the machine learning algorithms, they 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 know what it is. Sorry, th sorry. They can work out what it is, but they don't know what it is, right? You know, and, and that annoys me. Like, I want to know. Yeah. I want, like, don't you want to know? Don't you want to like take it apart and go like, well, well that'd be really interesting. I think and some, like, people, and some, some people, some people do. The don't fun they? bit of science has been taken away. That's what I think I'm annoyed by. It's like that's the the, the pleasure in finding the stuff, the, the the finding it out. Nah, we don't really care about that. Just get to the answer. <laughs> well, Stop you'd have to change research fields then, Steve, and go into that. Right. Well, maybe I will. for the rest of the day oh i'm i've got loads of oh i don't want to talk about it just loads of different work things i've got to loads of work things yeah you got any time for fun got any fun i will have to play around with we've been doing a study using um ultrasound stuff in a hospital and there's a big machine there that they use on the patients and we were going to take stuff off i was going to just like someone else was going to do the analysis of all of it because it's imaging it's pictures just videos. But now it turns out that the best way to do it is to like do it at the machine rather than doing all of the steps in between. So I might have to learn how to work the machine and how to do the analysis oh, of the machine with a manual. Oh. It's exciting, but and I'm, I would do if I had loads of time, I'd be well up for it. But I'm just now I'm just thinking this is going to be like I'm going to be sitting there stressed because I should be like. So you, you're going to be sitting in front of a million pound machine with a book, basically reading how to do it. Yeah, pretty much. And I've got and, and the machine has doesn't even have a mouse. It's got like a big roller ball on it because like you uh, imagine a, a radiologist, you know, it's for the clinicians. They could work yeah. it with their forehead if they need to, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like that. So um, yeah. So I, I I tell you something really good, right? So I was chatting to a colleague of mine who's a clinician. And I was asking them like, what's their view of surgeons, right? And he said, and, and they said, oh, well, like, like to be honest, they're kind of they're kind of deprecated in the kind of medical field because they don't actually think about anything; they just kind of do stuff, right? And I was like, I was like, and is there a kind of hierarchy? And they say, yeah, we call them, we call, uh, uh, what do they say? They, they call um, like uh, uh, like heart surgeons, they call them plumbers. Uh, neurosurgeons, they call them electricians. Um, and uh, bone surgeons, they call uh, carpenters. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I quite I, like it. Yeah, I think that's true. They all know about it as well, of course, and they love yeah. it. Anyway, so that's what I'm going to be doing, and I've also got I've got to go and teach some students. So yeah, it's the usual stuff. Oh well, so thanks, it's a long thanks day. for taking time. Yeah, well, that was great, little, Steve. Little podcast. I hope your day is similarly exciting. So yeah, if people want to, oh, if people want to listen to 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 get in contact with us, how do they do that, Steve? 
Yeah, they can do it on Twitter. So I'm at Steve the Chemist. I'm at the Evans Lab. Um, and you can just oh. uh, go to our, you know, you can listen to our, our podcasts on SoundCloud. They're all there. And I um, hope you enjoy them. Please yeah. get in touch. If you've got anything you want us to discuss or chat about, or you've got any questions in general, drop us a line. And until next week, Bye. goodbye.